Welcome to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zakari. When something positive or negative changes in our lives, we are basically at a fork in the road. Where does the next step take us? What do we do as reactions to something that has already happened? How do we prevent the negative aspects from happening again? Whether in business or personal parts of your life, you can get back on track. We'll talk about it today. Now, here is your host, Frank Zakari. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is our 17th show of 2020, and the response so far this year has been absolutely tremendous. I appreciate your support, so please keep listening and tell all your friends. Now, my name is Frank Sakari, and you are listening to life-altering events on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, since we started this show six months ago, the question that I get asked most often is, Frank, what, what exactly is a life-altering event? And this is what I tell people. A life-altering event is something that we either choose or something that is thrust upon us that dramatically alters the trajectory of our life. What life-altering events present us with is the opportunity to seize the moment, make a difference in our life and the life of our loved ones. They're a fork in the road, and we have a choice. Now, you can choose to fall apart, or you can choose to find the courage pick up the pieces, deal with your grief, and start moving forward toward better times and better people. One thing I want everyone to remember, it is never too late to have the life that you want and that you deserve. Now, as you listen to this show over the coming weeks and months, and I hope years, I urge you to think about participating in an upcoming episode. So if you have a life-altering event that could inspire others, Visit the Life Altering Event page at voiceamerica.com, click on Email the Host, and tell me about this event that so drastically altered your life. What happened, how you addressed it, the impact it's had on your life, and where you are now. Once we get this, we will review it for content, and if it fits well into the program, we'll contact you about using it in a future broadcast. As of right now, today, we have over 26,000 listeners in 20 different countries. So let me help you share your story with the world. Now, ladies and gentlemen, today, our life-altering event is Dreams Can Save Your Life. Now, we all dream. Sometimes it's a daydream to remove us from the monotony of the daily tedium of our life, Sometimes it's a pleasant dream while we're sleeping, and then most of the times we wake up and we can't remember it after the alarm goes off. Other times it's a nightmare, and that nightmare is so vivid that it jars us awake. So why do we dream? And what, if anything, can we learn from these dreams? Are dreams just a random occurrence, or are they a connection, a unity between the mind and the body, giving us clues to help diagnose our life? Now, I didn't make that statement up. That was from the authors of the book we're going to be interviewing here. This is the question that we're going to explore today. Now, talking about dreams and understanding dreams is not new. Since ancient times, and the Greeks and the Egyptians have relied on the art of dream diagnosing, to, to dreams to diagnose illnesses and to get answers to personal life challenges. Now, I'm sure there are many doubters out there, and you're going to say, look, Frank, interpreting dreams is nothing more than an old wife's tale or a myth. Now, I must respectfully disagree with those doubters. Recently, 
Dreams are making major appearance in the medical arena as more and more current, and the operative word there is current, scientific research and medical pathology reports validate the diagnostic ability of precognitive dreams. So what's happening here? Are we stepping back into the future as modern medical tests show that dreams can be an early warning sign of cancer and other diseases? All right, doubters, what you're going to say to me next is, all right, show me evidence. And I'm glad you asked, because today we have two experts in the field of dreams who have the evidence. Kathleen O'Keefe Cavanas and Dr. Larry Burke are the authors of a book called Dreams That Can Save Your Life, Early Warning Signs of Cancer and Other Diseases. Now, this book, if you have not read it, I strongly suggest you get on Amazon and order it today. This book presents multiple detailed stories, all confirmed by pathology reports from subjects in medical research projects whose dreams diagnose their illness and help save their life. They're all confirmed. Let me repeat that. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest here today. Kat and Dr. Burr. Kat is accredited in psychopathology and special education. She taught psychology at the University of South Florida at their Fort Myers branch. Now, here's the amazing part here. Kat is a three-time breast cancer survivor whose dreams diagnosed her cancer before her doctors. She credits her survival to conventional treatment with her dream, conventional treatment combined with her dreams as diagnostic tool. She's a best-selling author, she is a radio show host, and she is an expert on dream interpretation. And this is her second episode with us on life-altering events. Dr. Larry Burke did his medical school and residency training at the University of Pittsburgh. He is trained in acupuncture and hypnosis, and he's a certified engineer, he's a certified energy health practitioner. Sorry, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Berg. Uh-huh. He's a co-founder of the Dirk, Duke Integrative Medicine. He now has a consulting associate with radiology at Duke Hospital. He has a coaching practice and has made several presentations on dream diagnosis at the International Association for Dream Study. So, Kat and Dr. Burke, welcome to Life Altering Events. Yeah, thank you, Frank. Yeah, great to be here. Dr. Berg, let me start with you. Okay, how did a medical doctor and a psychopathologist and special education professor connect for this book. How did that happen? Um, well, I, I guess it starts with uh, my first um, exposure to this whole concept of, of uh, women being able to dream their breast cancers uh, ahead of time before uh, medical tests confirm the diagnosis. Uh, I had a close friend who called me in about 2005, I think it was, and said she had had a vivid dream, most real, authentic dream ever in her life, and it was about being on an operating room table with a woman surgeon operating on her her breast. And it was so real that uh, she felt compelled to go get a mammogram the next day, and she went for the routine mammogram. The, uh, the uh, radiologist said, uh, report looks good. You can go home. And she wouldn't leave because she knew she still had a breast cancer based on the dream. And she knew exactly where it was. 
Now, she asked the radiologist to do an ultrasound, and the radiologist refused, which is not surprising because we usually use ultrasound if there's a a lump you can feel uh, or a mass on the mammogram that you want to find out whether it's a cyst or a solid. But she had none of those things and had no symptoms at all. And the radiologist said, no, I'm not going to do an ultrasound. I wouldn't even know where to do it. And she said, well, do it right here. And she points to where it was in the dream. And she actually refused to leave the uh, radiology suite until she had the ultrasound done. And so the radiologist reluctantly put the ultrasound probe on her breast, kind of rolled her eyes and, and was then shocked to find a small cancer deep in her breast, which uh, didn't surprise Diane, unfortunately. Um, and the radiologist turned white as a ghost and said, how'd you know it was there? And she, she said, well, I saw it in a dream. And the more amazing thing than that was two weeks later, she went for the uh, referral to the surgeon for her biopsy. And when she walked in, she recognized her as the woman from the dream who had been operating on her. So that was a very precognitive dream. And that got me started down this this road of exploration. And Kat was one of the first uh, other uh, breast cancer dreamers who I met when I was starting to recruit subjects for a research study that had wound up having 18 women from around the world. That is amazing. That uh, I read that in the book, and I'm, I'm still stunned that uh, how that went. Cat, uh, your story mm-hmm. is is truly amazing. And if for the for the listeners out there who have not heard it, please share this dream connection versus your initial medical diagnosis. What happened? Well, you know, like like many women around the world, uh, I went in for my yearly checkup. You know, to and we do that so that if there is. Um, a problem, no matter what it is, you catch it really early because that's what you want to do, whether it's diabetes or heart or anything else. You always want, the earlier you catch it, the better your chances of surviving whatever it is that's going on. So I went in for my yearly uh, blood test, mammogram, pap smear, physical exam, the whole nine yards, and uh, got the notification in the mail that I was healthy and they would see me in a year, and then these dreams started. Um, I don't want to call them nightmares because they literally saved my life, and I don't believe in nightmares. I believe the worse the dream is, when you're dreaming it, the stronger the message is. So anyhow, I'm, I'm having, I went to sleep, and I'm having my regular dream, and all of a sudden, my dream freezes, just like a page on your computer will freeze. And there's nothing you can do. You're just standing there looking at the page, and nothing you do is going to make the page um, unfreeze. And then all of a sudden, there's a pop-up on the frozen page, just like on your computer. And I can see through the pop-up, just like you do on your, on your computer. And that pop-up window in my dream turns into a pop-up door. And through that door walks a Franciscan monk. Now, I'm standing there looking at this Franciscan monk going, what is this? He walks through, he's got his, his hood up on his brown robe, uh, rope belt, leather sandals, his hands are inside his sleeves because the sleeves are so big. He walks up to me and he says, come with me, we have something to tell you. And I'm like, well, wow, this is a really strange dream, but okay. And so at that point, I actually knew I was dreaming, which told me later that it was a lucid dream. And I walked through this door, which I call uh, the, the uh, 
the, the doorway to the room between realms. And it's a room that is neither of the living nor of the dead, but where both entities or spirits can go to receive information. It's actually a very special place. And there are two other monks in there. And one of the monks, one of the monks takes my hand, places it on my breast, and says, do you feel that? And I said, yeah. That that's breast cancer. You go back to your doctor tomorrow without an appointment, and you get a second set of tests. Then they walked me back through the door between the realm. The, the door turned into a window. The window disappeared, and the frozen page of my dream started right back up to where it was before it froze, and my dream continued as if it, it had been taken off of pause. And so time had stood still while I was in that room between realms. So I did. I went back to my doctor the next day. At this time, I was up in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, actually on Cape Cod. So my husband and I had to drive an hour and a half to get into the, um, the hospital in Boston. And he's going with me. So I told him my dream. I told him, I said, you know, I have to go. I've got to go. And so I walked into my doctor's office and told him that I knew something was wrong, and I had the paperwork showing that I was healthy, and I said, please, give me a second set of tests. And he said, well, you know, just to make you feel better, what he did was he gave me the mammogram, blood test, physical exam again, and this went on for three months. These recurrent dreams would happen for three months, and I wasn't getting a second set of tests. So when the third dream happened, and the monk walked through the door between realms, I started crying. And I said, look, I know why you're here, but I don't know what to do. I have gone to my doctor. I took his hand and I put it on my breast. He can't feel anything. He can't see anything in the mammogram. My blood tests are t- healthy. He's told me blood, uh, breast cancer doesn't run in my family, and I'm too young to have it. If I have breast cancer and you want me to live, do something to help me. And so this monk reached into the sleeve of his robe, pulled out this tiny little white angel feather, handed it to me and said, you go back to your doctor tomorrow without an appointment, and you fence with him using this feather as though it's a sword against all of his arguments and tell him you need exploratory surgery because that's the only thing that's going to show this now. So I did. I went back to my doctor. He took one look at me and he was like, why are you back? And I said, look, I need exploratory surgery. Well, Frank, he looked like I had just poured gasoline on myself and set myself on fire. And he said, I can't do that against hospital policy and my policy, no. And I took, I imagined taking that feather out of my mind. And I imagined holding it between my fingers and pointing it at him. And I said, you're my last hope. I don't know where else to go. Please help me. And it was like somebody glamored him, like a vampire or something. He went, set up the appointment for exploratory surgery, and long story short, I was in stage two aggressive fast-growing breast cancer with it in a lymph node. I ended up with chemotherapy and radiation therapy. Now, how difficult and frustrating was it when you constantly hear doctors saying that you're fine, yet you believe you know better? How difficult was that as a sale to to these medical doctors? You know, it's very difficult, and, and you know, in, with credit to them, I'm definitely not doctor bashing because my doctors did save my life. My dreams saved my life, and my doctors saved my life. 
they're following hospital policy and protocol says you have to have this test before you can have that test. And there has to be a problem with test one before you can do test two. And if you do test two and there's a problem and you went out of protocol, now you are legally responsible. And that really scares them in a society where lawsuits are so prevalent. So what I found was almost five years later to the day, Frank, I had the chiefs of everybody at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute watching me. And again, they were using mammograms to watch for recurrence when I didn't find it the first time. And I kept asking them why they were doing that. And they said, because mammograms are only as good as the people who take them and the people who read them and we're the best. And it turned out they missed a 9 by 11 centimeter cancerous area that was only found with the MRIs when I literally made a pain in the butt of myself, much like the woman that Larry was talking about, where I said, look, I'm not leaving out of your your office here until you get me that MRI appointment, and you're going to have to call security and drag me out of here by my heels, and as I'm going out the front door, I'm going to be on my cell phone to Channel 2 News. That's the only way I got it, but sometimes that's what you've got to do when your life is at stake and your dreams are telling you you have an illness and you've got spirit guides who are coming into your dreams saying, stand in your power, speak your truth, don't take no for an answer. That is incredible. I've read that and I've heard that story and every time I hear it, it just gives me chills. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're up against a break here. This first segment went way too fast. Do not go away. We have two more segments with Dr. Burke and Kat and it's going to get better from here. We'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Sakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Life-Altering Events, and I am Frank Zakari, we are having just a fantastic conversation with Kat Kavanaugh and Dr. Larry Burke, and they're talking about how dreams can save your life and some real-life examples with pathology evidence that dreams can and have saved people's lives. Now, just before the break, Kat was telling us that her first story went through dream where she would diagnose cancer. Now, as I said in the, in the onset, in the beginning, she's a three-time cancer survivor. So, Kat, continue with what happened with the second and or the third time, particularly the third time. Well, you know, the, I, I told you that the second time was um, five years after the first time. You know, you hit that five-year period where the doctors say, congratulations, you know, you're great, and... And what happened was immediately I started having the dreams that, no, you're not. Um, and in fact, um, at that point, I was working so closely with my spirit guides, which I had never done this before, by the way. It's not like I, this is something I did all my life. Um, but when my life was in danger and I wasn't going to be able to, to do my life purpose, which maybe is, is spreading the fact that our dreams are a direct doorway to divine information, um, they started coming in. And so when I was having my mammogram read in front of me, uh, the doctor said, congratulations, you're healthy. And I heard the voice in my head say, no, you're not. Tell them to look right here. And, the, and, and they, my, I pointed to the mammogram. They were The mammogram film, they were talking about the spirit guides, the monks. And the doctor turned to me and said, you're healthy, go home, go away, you're, you're fine. And that was the breast that actually had the cancer that I, I told you about. So shortly after that, when I thought, well, this is it, this has to be all I'm going to ever have to go through, right? Um, I had this dream, and in the dream, I opened up a door and walked into a room, and there were a lot of people in that room from my previous dreams. I recognized them. Some of them, I even knew them by name. Um, And all of a sudden, a door to the right opened, and a a female doctor uh, wearing her, her, her white coat walked up to me, extended her hand, and said, Hi, my name is Dr. Jules. I'm your physician within. And I'm looking at her going, Oh, my gosh. And all of a sudden, three crabs show up on the floor, and they start scurrying for another door to the left, which leads to the basement. And she said, you go catch those. So I gave chase to them, and they went through the doorway, and they were heading down the stairs, a flight of stairs, into the dark basement. And I thought, oh, my God, if they get down there in the basement, I'm going to lose them. I'll never find them. I've got to catch them now. And I screamed in my dream, stop. And they all froze. And I reached down, and there was a container in my hand, a plastic container filled with water. And I scooped the three crabs up, and I looked down into the container, and they pulled in their claws, and they pulled in their legs, and they became three beautiful white pearls. And I said, three crabs, three pearls, three cancers, 
am I going to have this three times? And the dream ended, and it turns out I did. I had it three times. So that was a precognitive dream. That wasn't just a diagnostic dream. That was a dream telling me, hang on, you know, the ride's not over, but we're with you every step of the way, and you're going to be okay. This is what you need to do. That is incredible. That's it's absolutely incredible story. Uh, Dr. Burke, I was a medic in the military, and doctor, I worked with a lot of doctors, and they're, as I said, they tend to be a little skeptical, and they want evidence, and they want proof. So how did you either get the okay to do this study, uh, for vivid dream study, uh, with the pathology evidence, or did you have to get approval for that? How did you get that done? Oh, yeah, a good question. Well, this was a retrospective survey, so I basically just had to find uh, the women who had the stories who, who had already confirmed their, their breast cancer diagnosis through their regular doctor. So... Uh, I, but you do have to get institutional review board approval. And so I had been on the board of the Rhine Research Center, which is the famous parapsychology laboratory here in Durham. And they do a lot of research with human subjects. And so it was uh, uh, pretty simple to get the approval through um, the that institute, IRB. And then uh, we're able to, to then send the survey out uh, and have it collect the information but we didn't do any other uh, details about their medical history, um, you know, because that would have required uh, a medical IRB approval, and uh, that would have been a, too big for that first survey. So we just went with the uh, the, the simple approach, and I just have completed a, a second uh, survey among women at, at Duke University now who come to the Breast Imaging Center uh, for uh, a biopsy. So they have already had their mammogram. They they got a lump. They know they need a biopsy, and I just wanted to see from those women uh, how how many of them you know first of all you know, remember their dreams or have had a, how many of them have had dreams that came true, and how many of them keep a dream diary, and did any of them have a dream that actually led them to uh, come get the, the biopsy of the mammogram. And that was 163 uh, patients who filled out that survey. And I was in, intrigued to, to discover that it wasn't that, it was like over 60% of them remember their dreams and you know, almost half of them have had dreams that came true. Only 5% bothered to keep a dream diary. And only one woman actually came to, to the uh, imaging center because of a compelling dream. And... So it's it's not as common as I thought it might be, but it's still not rare. I mean, uh, that we found 18 women uh, who had had this experience. And one of the other things that kind of inspired me to do further research was Wanda Birch, who's one of the dreamers in our study, had done uh, a little informal survey of women in her breast cancer support group up in New York. And... Uh, you know, she got a much different result. Now, this is not done scientifically, but 10 out of 19 women in her group remembered having had dreams before their diagnosis about the cancer. Uh, so, if uh, there are thousands of breast cancer support groups around the country, and if even only 10% of those women are having dreams, then that's still way more than 18. So, anyway, that, that's where we are at the moment with the research. 
Now, when you started to, to get this information, the, the women volunteered, obviously. Uh, how difficult was it to get the pathology reports from these other doctors or hospitals? Uh, we did not attempt to do that. We just had, they had to be in the study. They had to have already had their breast cancer proven. They had to have already got the diagnosis. And, and so that, I didn't have to go to the trouble of, of finding that. And in the group we just did at Duke, we made an anonymous survey. So we did not actually find out um, who has had cancer on their biopsy or not because about a third of breast cancer biopsies are positive. So it would be two-thirds of them would, would have uh, a negative biopsy. And the reason for doing this second pilot survey was to lay the groundwork for a potentially larger study where we would actually get women to give informed consent so that then they would give us access to their biopsy report after uh, the, the biopsy has been done. And then we can compare that to what their dreams showed. So that would, uh, to do a study like that is going to require thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that funding yet. Uh, maybe someday we will. So. Well, I hope you get it, and I hope the show helps find some of it for you. Yeah, it might happen. Now, Kat, you write about and you speak an awful lot about the importance of finding a spirit guide or a physician within. You mentioned it earlier in this interview. What is that? Explain that to the listeners. Well, I, I, you know, this is just my my personal belief, but I believe we're all born with, uh, you know, spirit guides and guardian angels. We're their job. And they take that job very seriously. And uh, some of us are more in tune with them than others. But also, I believe that when we are in a life or death situation, they tend to make themselves a little more visible through our dreams or synchronicities in our waking world. Now, in- and I have no idea why mine are monk. I have no <laughs> idea. I'm not Catholic. <laughs> Now, yeah, and regarding the, the, the guides, Frank, I was going to say that of the women in the study, uh, the, Kat was the only one who had monks, uh, but, but, but the <laughs> m- most common guides were, were either a white-coated healthcare professional or a grandparent or, or a deceased relative. Uh, and so, and in some cases, like Wanda Birch, she had a white-coated doctor who seemed to be from the Mayo Clinic and her fa- her deceased father in the same dream. So that was like a double double guide whammy. And uh, the other thing that was pretty interesting is that uh, about three or four of the women reported that the guide who they saw wearing the white coat in their dream showed up a week or two later during the course of their treatment, either as the surgeon or a nurse or, or uh, another doctor. So th- th- those were, again, precognitive images that they got ahead of time telling them they, that they were going to meet these people. And when they met them, they were pretty shocked. So, Ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is not coincidence. This, this, this stuff happening at, at, this, uh, at this rate is no longer a one-if or what a, a one-off type thing. We, we need to take this seriously. Now, Kat, you also write a great deal about preparing to dream and the power of, of uh, dream journaling. Okay, mm-hmm. explain that. What does that entail? Well, I think, you know, you, there are many different ways to, to journal. Um, uh, you, you can have a 
dream journal beside your bed and you can write your dream down or you can record it on your phone or you can use uh, whatever type of recording device you want to use for your journal. But I think it's important to to write your, your dreams down so that you can dream track. And, and what that means is if you have a, a dream and you met a certain person in the dream and then you describe that person in your journal and the area you were in when you met that person and then five or six days later you see that person, you can actually go back to your dream, track that person in your dream to see if there was a message you needed to pick up in your waking world in order to have spiritual guidance through your dreams. And it, and it also helps you with, with, with a clarifying dream. Say, for instance, you have a dream and you don't understand it. You don't under the, understand the symbolism. You don't understand what's going on. You know, there, there's one story in the book where a woman has a dream and it's, it's a dream uh, about her illness. And she wakes up the next morning, she writes it down and she says, you know, I don't understand what you're trying to tell me in this dream. So then she asks for a clarifying dream. Tell me what you mean. So by writing her dream down, she's able to say exactly what it is, set her intention the next night before she dreams for a clarifying dream to explain the previous dream and her guide, take her to a, um, uh, a graveyard, very old graveyard, and there is a, a beautiful grave there. It's old, but it's got all these beautiful daisies all over it. And they have her standing in front of the grave, and she says, why am I here? And they said, because if you don't follow the directions we gave you in the previous dream, you're going to be the one underneath the dirt pushing up these daisies. So you can't get much more of a clarifying dream than that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty uh, pretty to the point, I would say. Yeah, that, that was a friend of mine, uh, Ann Charles, who was actually one of my star MRI technologists at Duke. And I was getting ready to give my TED Talk um, uh, most mostly focused on the um, the breast cancer uh, dream survey, but I was looking for other examples of other types of cancer, and she said, "Oh, just use mine." So, um, so, so I, I asked Anne what her dream was, and uh, the first dream was that she was giving birth, which made no sense to her because she was in her late fifties and postmenopausal. And that's why she asked for the clarifying dream. And then the second dream is, is what, what, what Kat already already described. But the, the punchline to the story is she goes to the gynecologist thinking that, well, I got two options. It's either um, emotional metaphor for something going on in my life. And she's a creative artist and does rug hooking and all sorts of things. She thought, I'm probably giving birth to a new project. But just in case, it turns out to be a physical problem, and the second dream did suggest that that's what it was, she would go and get it checked out. So the the, uh, gynecologist did the exam, did the ultrasound, and found she had endometrial cancer of her uterus, uh, which she had no bleeding, she had no symptoms, so it came as quite a shock. And then she actually, they have two choices when, when you're doing uh, treatment for that uh, with surgery, you can either do an abdominal hysterectomy and remove the uterus through the abdomen, or you can actually do a vaginal hysterectomy where you actually deliver the uterus through the vagina, just like giving birth. So that's how it connected back to the original dream. So, and she's doing fine now. And if people want to hear her actual story in more detail it's it's on the, the the ted talk which is on my homepage. page it's just at larryburke.com so. 
I watched that TED Talk, ladies and gentlemen. Take the time, listen to it. Now, Kat, you talk about clarifying dreams or going back into dreams. How do you train people to be able to go back into a dream? Well, what I do is, is if, I, if I have a dream and, and there's something confusing about the dream or something I couldn't remember that I knew was really important, I needed to bring it back into the waking world with me so I could put it into my dream journal and underline it and track of it. Uh, I will get back into bed in the same position I was in when I woke up, snuggled up, maybe my arms wrapped around my pillow exactly the same, and try to slide back into that dream. So that I'm not deep in the dream, but I'm just at the edge of the dream. And sometimes I can grab that information and then just bring it right back out with me. Um, Sometimes also during the day, I'll have a daydream. If I forgot something that was really important and I didn't write it in my dream journal, it will come to me in a daydream during the day. And then I'll know where to uh, put it into my journal so that I can keep track of all the information coming to me. Because when we're in our dream state... We're on uh, what, what Einstein called the time continuum. There is no past, and there is no present or future. Everything is now. So you can travel back and forth on that line, and I really think that that's where the precognitive dreams come in. And uh, that's information that can be very important to us when we, tur- when we have to make a decision uh, now for the future. We've, we've, we've kind of got an edge. That's a very important point is... The, the focus to get back into a dream. It's, it's, uh, you, you would do that in some of your consulting. You help people with that. Is that correct? Uh, you're talking to me yes, or Larry. Yeah, Kat, so Larry does you, that too. <laughs> you both do it. Okay, Kat, you mm-hmm. go ahead. Yes, uh, I do. I, I will tell people, because you see everybody dreams. Everybody dreams. It's just a case of we can't always remember our dreams for a number of reasons. Sometimes we're just too tired. We, we drop down so deep so fast, and, and we're still tired when we actually wake up. That when we do wake up, when the alarm clock goes off, it just jolts us out of the dream, and we can't necessarily uh, bring it with us. So I know that uh, oftentimes what I will do is I will try to train myself to wake up at a time before the alarm goes off. Train myself to do that. Set it as my intention at night before I go to sleep. And, and, you know, that's the seven steps to remembering your dream that is in our book. Set that intention to wake up just before the alarm. Wake up slowly so that I can pull out that dream with me. I think Larry's got uh, some techniques that he uses, too. I think I remember him talking about those. Larry, we'll get into yours in just a second. We're up against another break here. Ladies and gentlemen, this, this has been just a fantastic conversation. Don't go away. This last segment's going to be the best yet. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. 
book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We have been in a fabulous two segments here with Ket Kavanaugh and Dr. Larry Burke, and we're talking about how dreams can save your lives and dreams that have actually saved people's lives. Now, just before the break, Kat got into methods she has used and trains people on to get back into a dream. Now, Dr. Burke, you said a TED Talk on this. Larry, what are some of the things that the techniques you use and, and you coach? Uh, yeah, um, with my coaching clients, uh, often will combine the dream work with uh, the emotional freedom techniques, the tapping technique. And I have everybody keep a dream diary, and the instructions for keeping the dream diary are actually on my website right next to the uh, where the TED Talk is posted. Um, and the key thing I have everyone do is ask a question every night before they go to bed, like, what is your top priority right now that you want information about? It could be about your health. It doesn't have to be about your health. It could be about your relationships or finances or anything. But just to ask only one question because you may have three or four dreams that night and you want to know what uh, question the dreams are in response to. So, um, the, the, And I had people in my workshops uh, and also in some of my online courses who claim that they haven't remembered a dream in a long time. And sometimes when someone schedules an appointment with me or signs up for one of my courses, uh, they start remembering their dreams. Uh, it's, it's as if it's a subconscious prompt. And I had one lady at my workshop last summer who said hadn't rem- remembered a dream in, in years. The first Friday night, she had a, a dream what we call a dream fragment, which is just a fleeting image, short phrase, or just a, um, just a little piece of the puzzle. And we worked with that one on the Friday night. And then the next day on Saturday night, she had an epic dream, which laid out their whole situation in dream form and clarified everything for us. So she was 
pretty shocked by that. So, so a lot of this has to do with setting your intention to remember your dream and to to use it to, to set yourself up to get that information that you want. So, and then what what I do with people who uh, are using the emotional freedom technique, we will take the most disturbing part of the dream and use that as a guide to what needs to be tapped on during a coaching session. And often, if we get stuck doing the tapping work on on some uh, past uh, uh, traumatic experience, we'll then check in with the dreams and it'll say, well, this is actually the direction we need to go in. And the two work really well together because I look at symptoms coming from the body as what's occurring in our waking dream. You know, your symptoms are like dream symbols that are happening when you're awake. And so the, the symbols that happen when you're asleep during your dreams, they can be treated the same way as the symptoms in your waking life. So they, they, they go together really nicely. That is incredibly interesting. Now, Dr. Burke, you also write about the need for global attitudinal adjustment, I think you called it, in the medical field concerning the power of dreams in the waking world. What has to happen for medical schools, for doctors, to start incorporating this and, and taking this more seriously? Well, 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 the first really simple step uh, would be just for people to look at, at the ambulance when it drives by and notice that there's a, uh, a cross with a snake on it. And that snake is the Asclepian uh, symbol from the ancient Greek dream temples, which somehow became our symbol of modern medicine. So, unfortunately, what was a big part of Greek medicine has been lost uh, over the millennia and only Freud and Jung started to bring it back 100 years ago and there have been two psychiatrists who did research before I did uh, Royston uh, uh, and uh, a Russian psychiatrist uh, Velasi Kazatkin um, they were the first ones to sort of get the ball rolling and I hope that more, more physicians get inspired to do more research or at least ask their patients about their dreams after reading my paper or a book. So, You also talk about, uh, Dr. Burke, the, the emergence of the e-patient. I think you both touch on this. So, Dr. That's Burke, cats, yeah. This I is cats. that one to cats. Good. Cat, yeah. yeah. explain um, this. You know, I think, I think um, much as, as dreams are windows into another information dimension, the Internet is a type of informational universal win- wisdom window that that's at our fingertip, and so it gives us access to the internet, and this has created a new type of patient, the e-patient, and many of the dreamers in the book are actually e-patients. They're, they're going onto the internet to see if anybody else has had dreams that are telling them that they have a disease, and not all of the patients that are in the book, Dreams That Can Save Your Life, are cancer patients. We have diabetes, we have uh, heart conditions, uh, we have many different types of, of illnesses and diseases, and they were e-patients, and it's how many of us actually found each other for Dr. Larry Burke's uh, Breast Cancer Dream Project. And it was the groundwork that led to this book. So according to the Wikipedia, the e-patient is an individual or a health consumer who participates fully in his or her medical care. And what that means is, you know, we went to our doctors and we said, look, we know something wrong and we want you to do a second set of tests. So the Dreamer e-patients in this book uh, combine dream information with internet information to fully arm themselves with facts 
for their life-saving journey back to the path of health, and they confronted the doctors with the facts. When the doctors said to me, you know, you've already had a mammogram. We're not going to give you any more mammograms. You're healthy. I hit them with the fact that there are a large number of women who are young with dense breasts who have missed positive mammograms and are told they're healthy when indeed they are not and they really need MRI. So you, in a way, you have to arm yourself with the e-information um, as the e-patient in order to speak your doctor's language. Dr. Burke, how do, how do physicians uh, look at these e-patients? What's their opinion of them? Oh, I'd say the typical response is, uh, oh, no, the patient's been consulting Dr. Google. And, 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 <laughs> and they come in with the reams of paper that they printed out off the Internet, and the doctor just doesn't have the bandwidth or the time to, 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 to know what to do with that information. So I, I, I do encourage uh, patients not to, if, if they have had a dream, they can at least print a copy of my scientific paper out and take it to the doctor. That, that might have more impact than reams of other things on the internet. Now, uh, speaking of uh, social media, I, I, I did have uh, one of my high school classmates, once she saw my paper on Facebook, she contacted me and uh, private messaged me and said, I had a dream about uh, blood in the toilet 13 years ago every night and it got so disturbing that I had to go and get a colonoscopy and sure enough she found a little pea-sized colon cancer that had already spread to some lymph nodes. So she had surgery and chemotherapy and is fine 13 years later but uh, she shared that just because I had posted that up on the internet and so the word's getting out and uh, there, I was going to mention that one other thing in the popular culture is there was a famous movie star 20 years ago uh, who most people you know don't even realize that Mark Ruffalo had dream, dreamed about a brain tumor uh, 20 years ago and went to the doctor on the movie set and uh, said, this is crazy, doc, but I think I've got a brain tumor. And, and the doctor rolled his eyes and is another crazy actor, but ordered a CAT scan, even though he didn't have any symptoms, and found a, a golf ball size, a benign acoustic neuroma in the ear that they were able to uh, do surgery on and save his career. And now he's deaf in that ear, but otherwise he, he doesn't have any problems. And, and that his story's been told in many different uh, online journals, and, and there's even a, a YouTube video about it. Now, both of you have been on uh, doctor shows. Um, uh, Kat, you were on Dr. Oz. Uh, tell us what happened there. Well, you know, he, he's really, really uh, a great guy. I, I really was very, very comfortable being on his show. And he um, kept me on the show the whole hour, took me from set to set, held on to my arm and pulled me right along with him to make sure that <laughs> nobody took me off the set. And uh, when I was sitting beside him, he held up a handful of papers and waved them at the audience. And he says, these are her pathology reports. Um, we have vetted her and spoken with every single one of her doctors. And he was extremely interested in it. So, you know, that was very helpful getting the message out there that our dreams can be a diagnostic tool and our dreams can save our lives. Larry, you were on the show, The Doctors, I believe. What happened there? Yeah, they have three or four do uh, doctors who are, are interviewing us, and I was on with another one of the uh, um, the women from the breast cancer study who had never 
spoken about this in public before and never done a radio show or a TV show. And, and uh, she did a great job. And they were actually very uh, uh, interested and asked some really good questions. And you can probably still catch reruns of both of those shows uh, on the Internet somewhere. Kat, I recall in the book you had a section on uh, dreaming for others. What is that? Explain mm. that. Well, dreaming for others is very interesting, and, you know, I'm sure Larry's got some ideas about it, too, but, you know, um, I've had I've been on so many radio shows now, and quite often many of them are, are doctor hosts, and they'll say to me, well, you know, your brain is almost like a computer for your body, and when there's something wrong with your body, your brain is aware of it, so it's speaking to you in dreams, and they may be right, although I don't think that my brain has monks in it, but you never know. I'll give them, you know, I'll give them credit for that. Yeah, they could be right. Um, however, how do you explain your brain telling you that somebody else uh, has symptom, has a, a disease and it has nothing to do with your body? And that's what the section in Dreaming for Others is about. And that's one of the things that the, the ancient Asclepian dream temples uh, focused on. A priest would sleep next to a patient, and they would dream in tandem, and the priest would be able to help them understand their dreams concerning their health, wealth, or their relationship. Larry, you have anything on that topic? Um, yeah, we had a couple women in, in the book who uh, did report uh, dreaming for uh, about their mother's illnesses, uh, and so it, it wasn't their illness, and so whenever... People email me and tell me they've had a dream about um, any sort of health issue. I always say, ask two questions. First is the clarifying one we discussed earlier. Is this dream an emotional metaphor or is this dream about some serious physical illness? You want to get that answer. And the second question you want to ask is, is this dream about my problem or about someone else's problem? Uh, so, and I, I've had, before I got even started with the breast cancer research, I'd had two dreams about other people's cancers, but I dreamed it, them as if they were my own. And it took me those two experiences to learn that, oh, it's possible to dream about someone else's cancer and think it's your own. So that's an important d distinguishing feature there. We have about two minutes left. Uh, what last piece of advice would you like to give Dr. Burke? Uh, keep a dream diary. Uh, ask a question every night. Uh, it, it's, it's, the, it's free. Uh, and also, if you get a chance, either um, consult uh, someone like Kat or I to, to get another insight in the dream or, or get involved in a dream circle where you get to discuss your dream with other people and get many second opinions. And uh, then, you know, start uh, setting the intention to remember your dreams and get information. Kat, I'll give you the last word. Mm -hmm. What's your advice? So, uh, you know, I think it's so important to connect with our, our inner guidance and our, and our inner guides. And one of the ways you can do that is through your dreams. And, um, you know, I'd be happy to help you with that. Just tune into my radio show, Dreaming Healing, which you are a guest on it, and uh, learn how to uh, actually connect with your inner guidance. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're just about out of time. I can't believe how fast this hour has gone. <laughs> Kat and, and Dr. Burke, thank you so much for all this insight and your time this, today. Oh, thank Great. you. Yeah, thanks, Frank, for spreading the word, because clearly that this is uh, something we want medicine to rediscover. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're just about out of time. I want to thank Kat and Larry once again for sharing this inspirational story on how dreams can save your life. 
Now, I say this every week, no matter what life throws at you, and you heard some good examples here today, I want you to do three things. Look up, get up, and never, ever give up. Pick up the pieces and start moving forward. If you want more information about CAT or Dr. Burke, you can go to their website, you can send me an email, and I will make sure it gets to them. If you missed any of this show or any of our other previous shows, you can listen to them on demand at a number of different places, now including iHeartRadio, Google, and Alexa. Let me leave you with this, ladies and gentlemen. None of us are in this alone. The secret to walking on water is to know where the rocks are. And today, Dr. Burt and Kat Kavanaugh showed us where a lot of these rocks are. Join us again next week as we explore another life-altering event. Thank you for tuning into Life-Altering Events. Be sure to join Frank Zakari again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a life-changing week. The Good Cop.